cured error like extraordinaire when you when you blame the sound guy when your mic's turned off. Sorry about that. Um, so I have a little quiz just to start our, our time off this morning. And here are some famous sayings, or you might call them proverbs, or even idioms. I learned what an idiom is this week, and um, that you may have heard when you grew uh, as you were growing up, and that you need to fill in the blank. So here's the first one: blank makes the world go round. Love. I'm hearing some people say love. That is correct. It is indeed love makes the world go round. Or another few is, I came across was love is blind. And then weirdly also, this one was in one of the idiom dictionaries I found. Love laughs at locksmiths. Anyone ever heard that? I haven't even heard that. Apparently that's a well-known British idiom. So I have no idea what it means, but there we go. Next one. Blank is a virtue. Someone said it louder. Patience. Patience is a virtue. We also talk about having the patience of a saint or the patience of a Bible character. Anyone think about this? Patience of Job. Job. Patience of Job is, is a phrase uh, fairly well known. And here's another one. Next one. Do the uh, sorry. Do it out of the blank of your heart. Kindness. Do it out of the kindness of your heart. And then here's the last one. Maybe a little bit harder. Be full of the blank of spring. Someone said it. Joys. Be full of the joys of spring. Now here's the question, if you've been paying attention so far, what do all these answers have in common? Yeah, they're all listed in Galatians 5 as among the fruit of the Spirit. This is, of course, our current sermon series just now. And so many of these qualities that Paul lists in Galatians 5 have become so fundamental, so important, that they've actually been, they've seeped into the very culture in which we have lived and have grown up, and they've seeped into common vernacular over time. And, and perhaps people have no idea the, the root of these things as being in the scriptures, but they are. And I'm not just talking about the reality of these little sayings being part of life, but whether um, in Sunday school, if you grew up in church, or even just in normal school, you would hear of the importance of these things. You would hear of the importance of being loving, of being kind. That's an important thing to, to be patient, to be self-controlled, and you could go on and on and on. But here's my question. What about the fruit that we're looking at today? I don't know if you, you remember what that is, but Scott mentioned it at the start of our time. Today we're looking at faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now, all week in my head, I have been getting faithfulness and the word fruitfulness mixed up, right? So if I say fruitfulness this morning, ignore it. I mean faithfulness. That is the fruit that we are looking at just now. But what about that as you think about life growing up? I don't remember any proverbs, sayings, idioms about the importance of faithfulness. Perhaps the closest would be to talk about uh, what animal is a faithful friend? A dog. A dog is known as a faithful friend. But it's not really a very oft-considered idea. In fact, I, I, uh, I sent this too late for Charlie to get it up on the screen. But I'll just show it here and you'll get a sense of it. And since books have existed, 
Over the last 50 years, it's almost at an all-time low, the usage of this word. So this is the usage of the word faithful in, in sort of Google's tracking of all books that have basically ever been typed and printed. And you can see here, and here we are, this is about 1980 through to here. It's a slight uptake, interestingly. But this idea of being faithful has been really popular, and then now it's not talked about very much. And I'm not just saying that we don't hear much about faithfulness in the sayings that we might hear in school or anything like that. I don't remember any assemblies at school. Or I don't remember any Sunday school lessons I grew up in the church that were encouraging me to show the fruit of faithfulness in my life. And that's been really bothering me this week. As I've been thinking about this message, I've been wondering, why is that? Why do all these other fruit get so much, you know, rightly, get so much attention? But what about this idea of faithfulness? And I thought, well, you know what? It's a strange thing. Because for one thing, the faithfulness of God is perhaps one of the most cherished things that we celebrate about God's goodness to us. I mean, we sing in Kintore Community Church, we sing about the faithfulness of God a lot. And I love that. It's probably right up there in the top five things we would celebrate about who God is. God, thank you that you're faithful. You're true to your promises. You never give up on me. You're never going to let me go. You're a faithful God. So if that's true, then why do we not think so much about the reality of faithfulness in our lives? And it's also strange because why we don't maybe speak explicitly about these things growing up, it definitely is one of the most important qualities that we would look to in someone that we want to to be around. We do know the blessing of having a faithful friend, partner, spouse, perhaps. And conversely, we, we know the devastating heartache that can come if someone proves themselves to be unfaithful, a backstabber, someone who you thought was there for you, but they've dropped you quicker than you could believe. So, so if that's true, if we love this about God, and if actually it is the case that faithfulness is such an important matter for us in terms of how we exist and relate in this world, then why has this fruit of the Spirit, at least for me, I don't know if you can relate, but I did ask a few folk this week if, if their circumstances the same as mine, and they said, yeah, I didn't hear a lot about the importance of faithfulness growing up. Why is that? What is faithfulness? And what would it look like for God to grow this in us? Remember, friends, so important about this series. This series is not, hey, here's a list of nine things that you have to do. And to the extent that you do these things, God will be pleased with you. No, no, no. That's not what this is about. This series is about, hey, guess what? In Jesus Christ, you can find new life. And as you are united to Christ, and as you stay rooted in Jesus, the true vine, you will begin to see change in your life. You will begin to see fruit that grows as we stay connected to him. So what is faithfulness in the Bible? Well, here's one of the confusing things about it. This Greek word is only translated as faithfulness three times in the New Testament. Despite the Greek word for faithfulness in Galatians 5, despite that Greek word being used over 240 times, it's only translated as faithfulness three times. Hmm. 
That's another thing that puzzled me as I was exploring this this week. The overwhelming majority of the time in the Bible, this Greek word, uh, faithfulness, actually is rendered as faith or belief. Now we'll come back to, to why that is. But the point of me saying that is that there's, there's actually not a whole lot said solely trying to help us understand what is faithfulness. But if we take a, a, the same word group, but a slightly different word, faithful, we do hear many times Jesus describing people as faithful. And here's the interesting thing about that. It's almost always in the context of how we serve God before he returns. Okay? So Jesus told a number of parables about how he's coming again. And, and, and he was sharing with us ways that we could honor him as we wait for his coming return. And ways that we might dishonor him. And the word Jesus used for those who lived in a way of being eager and ready and waiting for his return. For the word that Jesus used for those who would serve him with passion and zeal in the meantime, while waiting for Jesus' coming return, that word that he used was faithful. To live in that way means that you are faithful. For example, the master who says to the one who lived honorably to him, well done. Good and faithful servant. So what does it look like then? As we think about Jesus calling those sorts of people faithful, what does it look like for faithfulness to grow in our lives? It means, it looks like living a certain way in this in-between time as we're waiting for Jesus' return. It means waiting with care, with a sense of alertness, being ready for his coming, diligently serving him and his purposes as we do that. It's someone who is reliable, someone who understands the realities of heaven and earth. That is faithfulness. Another example of this is in Hebrews 11. You think of what does faith mean in the Bible? Your minds might go to Hebrews 11 where we get all these different characters who are recognized as living, quote, by faith, same Word there. They knew this fruit of the Holy Spirit growing in them. They wouldn't have used that language. That's exactly what's going on in Hebrew, Hebrews 11. And, and what's the point of Hebrews 11? As we try and understand what is faithfulness. The point is that they lived a certain way now where God had them in light of what God was going to do, even though they didn't see that reality now, that's faithfulness. Here's my little definition of faithfulness off the back of all of that. Honoring God in the now in light of his unfolding eternal story. Honoring God in the now in light of his unfolding eternal story. So here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because one of the ways we see this played out is in 1 Corinthians 15. I just want to camp out here just for a few moments here. So look at verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 15. It says this, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Now what's the point of this? It's saying that 
if the story of God ended at the cross, then this life of faith, this life of faithfulness is totally pointless. So what's my definition of faithfulness? Honoring God in the now, in light of the unfolding story of God's eternal purposes. The, the point then is, if there's no unfolding story, if God's dead, if the story's over, then what's the point? And that's what 1 Corinthians 15 is all about. It's a good place for us to think about some practical examples of living well with faithfulness. So a few aspects of what this looks like in 1 Corinthians 15. The first thing is this. We have news to share. We have news to share. Again, Paul in this passage is laying out the complete pointlessness of Christianity if Jesus isn't alive. And if Jesus isn't coming back. And listen to what he says in verse 14 this time. If Christ has not been raised. If Jesus isn't alive, seated at the right hand of the Father, coming back one day. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. If Jesus is dead, our preaching is pointless. Useless. Now, you may think my preaching is useless for lots of reasons. But be careful here, because, uh, of course, the point that Paul is making here is, Jesus is not dead. Jesus has been raised. Therefore, our preaching is not in vain. Therefore, Paul is saying, Martin's preaching is not useless. <laughs> That's a joke. That's going way beyond the text, okay? That, I'm just being silly there. But the real point is not silly. The point is this. For those who know and trust in the risen Christ and know that he's coming back again, we have a message to share. We have news to share with Kintor and beyond. And it's a glorious message of life and hope and redemption and purpose for the future that brings real change to real people going through real challenges. That's why, one of the reasons why I love hearing testimonies. I had the chance just on the way over, I didn't uh, watch the YouTube, I promise, but in my car, I put on the YouTube of hearing Lisa and Maria's testimonies. It's just awesome, isn't it? Hearing people share the difference that the good news of Jesus has made to their lives. This is people that are proclaiming the sort of eternally life-changing impact that Jesus, the, the risen and returning Savior, has had in their lives. People who know that Jesus is alive and that he's coming back, they have news to share. And it's because Jesus is alive that this is the case. This is the news, right? This is what we go around telling people. Hey, you know, when you look through the God, when you look through the book of Acts, it's hilarious to examine the sermons that they shared. Because there's basically one sermon repeated about seven times where it basically says, Hey, this is who you thought Jesus was, this is who you true this is who he truly is, this is what you did to him. But guess what? Jesus is alive. That's the difference that Jesus has made to me. Oh, by the way, you can know that difference too. End of sermon. Over and over and over again. In the book of Acts, we have great news to share. What does it mean for faithfulness to grow in us? Honouring God in the now, in light of his coming return? Well, as we live in light of Jesus' coming return, we've got news to share. This world is not all there is. You do not need to live with hopelessness and fear, winning the battle in your life. Jesus is alive. He's coming back. Let me share that news with you, friend. 
That's the first thing. The second thing is this. We have faith that brings purpose. Um, we've read them before, but let me read them again. Verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Paul writes. What is the implication for those living under the reality that Jesus has been raised. The, the implication is our faith is not futile. Our faith is not in vain. Brother, sister in Christ, tomorrow you will wake up and be confronted by the mundane realities of life and the struggles of life. You'll be confronted by tiredness and pressure and to-do lists and the challenge of being immersed, whether we like it or not, we are immersed in a culture that cares little or zero about who God is and about this idea that God is coming back one day. It's tough, right? I want you to know, as you face that challenge, know that you face it with your life rooted in the most significant, powerful, glorious, eternally unchanging reality in the universe. Your faith, your following after Jesus is not futile. It's not in vain. Jesus is alive. And as tomorrow and all this next week and all this next year, you wake up and center in on him again as the most complete and beautiful reality imaginable in this universe. It gives meaning and purpose and confidence to the faith that we hold. We are reminded as we ponder Jesus alive and coming again that the story is not over. God's work is not finished. We are reminded that we are his hands and his feet to share the good news and the love of Jesus with the world much in need. Engineers, Teachers, parents, school children, friends representing the risen Christ every day of our lives. Your faith is not in vain. And as we begin to understand this faithfulness, goes, living for God, honoring God in the now, in light of this eternally unfolding story. C.H. Spurgeon said this, He is risen, I am risen in him. Why then should I cleave to the dust? From lower loves, desires, pursuits, and aspirations, I rise towards him. Yes. What are you giving your life for this week? You're, you're risen in Christ. Let us put aside the lower things and rise towards the risen Lord Jesus Christ. For us as a church, consider this quote from theologian John Jefferson Davis. Listen, he says, Alas, all too often the church today is being run on the natural energies of this age rather than the supernatural energy loosed by the resurrection of Jesus and the descent of the Spirit. If we have lost our heavenly imagination, we will be disinclined to access, by faith and prayer, the heavenly energy from above. And then he asks this challenging question. What energy is your church run on? Just little imaginations in this moment of change, or are we infused by the power and the awesome, endlessly creative 
imagination of the Holy Spirit of God. My friends, this church can do nothing of lasting significance without the supernatural power of the risen Christ, known in and among us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Nothing of lasting significance. We could go through the motion for a little bit, but can we step into this moment of uncertainty, this next season of the life of Kintour Community Church in a way that would bring honour and glory to Jesus, defying the, the turmoil and the struggle of this moment and, and the culture around about us, not in our own strength, but with the power and the direction of the, the risen Jesus, we can live faithful in light of his life and coming return. Only in Jesus' strength, empowered by the risen Christ, can we impact the homes of Kintour and Aberdeenshire. Can we increase our presence in the coming months and years in schools and nursing homes? Can we see our colleagues come to faith? Can we see more and more use of the Carnockins hot tub baptism pool? This is now the official baptism pool of Kintour Community Church. And uh, we want to use it more and more. We need Charlie to get those logs in there more and more and keep that thing hot so that people can be dumped in Jesus' name and show their newness of life in him. Only in Jesus' strength can we care meaningfully for one another, even those perhaps in the church that we're not best buddies with. Only in Jesus' name can we see people healed of sickness and prodigal sons and daughters come home and marriages restored and the love of God's word increase. Only in the power of the, the risen and coming, returning Jesus Christ can we stand strong against this culture which calls right wrong and wrong right. Only through Jesus can we see relationships reconciled, small groups multiply even more, missionaries sent out, and even one day I'm praying new churches planted. We said this of Hillview about 10 years ago. We said, let Hillview not become a cul-de-sac on the, the highway of the Great Commission. <laughs> and let Kintour Community Church not be a cul-de-sac, the end point of the story of the expansion of Jesus' church across the whole world. Can we see miracles and breakthrough for Jesus' sake in Kintour and beyond Yes, we can. How how can we indeed play our part in that amazing work that God is doing? Because Jesus is risen and is alive and well, and he's coming again, and he does all things well, and he is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. So, Kintor, we need to honor God in light of the unfolding story of eternity, in light of Jesus' coming return. This is what faithfulness is. Are we ready to live in the faithfulness that God is calling us to? Look at verse 54 of, uh, of this chapter. And we're coming into close now. It says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then you want to know what faithfulness is? Look at this. Therefore... My beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
The risen Jesus, the coming, returning Jesus Christ, King of Kings, knowing, Paul goes on, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Listen to what N.T. Wright says about those verses. He says, 1 Corinthians 15 is a spectacular chapter, but one of the most remarkable verses in it is the last verse, verse 58, where Paul says, N.T. Wright's quote, uh, version of this now, he says, therefore get on with your work in the present, because in the, or maybe it's not, maybe it's a direct quote actually, because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Then N.T. Wright goes on, this is at the heart of the meaning of the resurrection, because God is already making his new creation all that you do in Christ and by the Spirit is part of that new world. Resurrection is thus not merely about a glorious future. It's about a meaningful present. Your faith is not futile. This is faithfulness, dear friends. People rooted in and trusting in the resurrected Christ and the, and the faith that we have in him, that he is at work. So now as we come to close, there's one final aspect of this life of faithfulness in light of God's coming return that I want us to look at. The question is this, where is our faithfulness to be rooted? Because um, one of the things it means to see faithfulness grow in our lives is to live in our true identity in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this, if I say to you this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, and that means, sorry, if I say to you, you're a follower of Jesus, and that means you're not a sinner, you're a saint, I wonder how you would respond to me. I suspect, suspect for most of us, it would at least raise an eyebrow, and at worst, maybe you think I've crossed over to heresy, saying you're not a sinner. Others of us might want to be a bit more cautious and say, well, what do you mean by sinner in this example? See, because if I meant to you, if I meant in saying that, um, that if you're not a sinner, that means you never sin, you should definitely boot me out of the church and get rid of me as your pastor, because that would be a lie right there. But think of how we use some of these different types of words. I drive sometimes, but I'm not a driver. I sometimes run, very rarely, I am definitely not a runner. I type, but I'm not a typist. Sometimes I even clean, but I'm not a cleaner. Now here's where it starts to get interesting. I drum, and I kind of am a drummer, or I preach, and that is part of who I am. I am a preacher, I, I parent, and I am a parent. You see, the point is this. It's about where your identity is. And as someone who has come to Jesus in repentance and faith, someone who's made a life new in him, I sin, sadly, but I'm not a sinner. And that is the overwhelming thrust of the New Testament. And it's true for us because God has allowed us to share in the perfect resurrection life of Jesus. Again, back to this crucial verse, verse 17, the other aspect of it says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And the implication is this, friends, because Christ has been raised, we are not still, that language, 
in our sins. And there's so many passages we could look at that speak to this. Romans 6 speaks of our identity being in Christ in his death, and then we're made alive in him. Ephesians 2, even though we were dead in our trespassing sins, God has made us alive, and in Christ we're free. Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 2, I've been crucified with Christ. That old life is gone. I'm not a sinner anymore. It doesn't define me anymore. I'm alive in Jesus. And then last one, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Stop thinking of yourself as a sinner. If you love Jesus, if you're found in him, you're no longer a sinner, but you are saved. Washed clean, all because of grace, all because of God's kindness. This is who you are. And the exhortation of the New Testament then, as we think about what does it mean to be faithful, the exhortation is become who you truly are. This is crucial for us to think about. Not only as a way to positively chase after God's ways, but this is crucial for us as we think about killing the sin in our lives. Living faithful lives, we've got to kill the sin in our lives. We have to think of ourselves not as sinner, but as saint. Because over and over again, the, the, the thrust of the New Testament is, why are you behaving like that? That's not who you are. Stop doing that thing, because it's not who you are. Stop falling into that pattern, because it's not who you are. Remind yourself, I'm not a liar. I might lie sometimes. I'm not a liar. I'm not a lover of money. I'm not a glutton. Well, I might struggle with that sometimes. I'm not putting whatever issue you have that you struggle with. Don't let your identity become so caught up in that that you think, that's who I am. That's not who you are. In Christ Jesus, you're alive and you're free and you are a saint of the living God. This, friends, is what it means to be faith. To know God's faithfulness growing in us. It all comes back to Jesus. As I mentioned, um, the overwhelming use of this word in the New Testament is, is simply faith. It's belief in God, trusting in Jesus. Another just little fascinating thing here. You want to know um, when the word faithful, interest in that word uh, over time, Google search trends, you know where the spikes are? Christmas. Oh, come all ye faithful. What does that mean? It means to be part of the, the fellowship of God's people. It all comes back to, are you part of the faithful? Are you part of the household of God? We have to stay rooted in Jesus. I, I know um, maybe a couple of months ago, I'm losing track of time, one of the missionaries of the church stood here and shared a prophetic word for Kintour Community Church into this coming season. And he sent it to Scott um, a few days later and wrote it down. And his final encouragement in that was keep rooted in Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. And from that place, fruit begins to grow. Faithfulness will begin to grow. That heartfelt, natural, zealous sharing of the good news, that amazing faith, it's not futile, but that God has got great things to do in us and through us. And that sense that we're not lost, 
we're fine. We're not dead. We're alive. We're not sinners. We are saints of God, all by his grace. And as we acknowledge that reality, and as we think about Jesus' reign and his coming return, and as these truths grow more and more prevalent in our lives, we then are able to honor God in the now, in light of God's eternal unfolding story. When one day he will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, and I said this to someone uh, yesterday who's lost their father recently. I said, how amazing to think that the creator of the heaven and earth has said to your dad, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't deserve that. None of us deserve that. But it's all as we stay rooted to Jesus, that fruit grows, that faithfulness grows. And one day God will celebrate that with us. What amazing thought. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, that Christianity is not about us uh, being a mess and having to fix ourselves so that we can be right before you. How lost I and we would be if that was the case. Thank you that Christianity is about the, the wonder of who you are and the wonder of your love spilling out into creation and even chasing after us in all our sin and all our need and all our rebellion, that you never give up on us, that you are a faithful God. And it's about the Lord Jesus who died and rose again to draw us into the family of God. And it's about that Jesus who reigns and is coming back once more, one that final day to usher in that beautiful, eternal reality of us living where there's no more war, no more sickness, no more strife, no more uncertainty, no more division, but perfect peace and perfect joy. Thank you for that reality. And God, I pray as we dwell upon that reality that we would see faithfulness grow in our lives. Bold faith, awesome words of good news, and trust that we are not sinners. In Christ we're saints. God, we thank you. We thank you. Grow this fruit in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.